You are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit gocentralchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Ethan Crowder. Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and find Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is where we're going to spend our time together. I thought about starting off by saying God is omniscient all the time, and all the time God is omniscient, but that just doesn't roll off the way way Pastor Allen does it. Uh, Psalm 139, we're going to look at the first six verses uh, of Psalm 139, and uh, as you're turning there, I want you to think about this. There are some things in life that you just cannot be prepared for, right? There are some things in life that no matter how many books you read, uh, how many videos you watch, how many people you talk to, you just can't be prepared for it. It doesn't matter uh, what you, you might have learned about it. It doesn't matter what you might have heard about it. Until you experience it for yourself, you just aren't ready. Uh, And for me, uh, one of those things, one of those things that I could not be prepared for until I experienced was the number of questions that my kids would ask on a daily basis, right? Uh, Maybe, parents, you can identify with me uh, on this in some ways. Uh, Every day is a 20 questions day in the Crowder household. The problem is I have four kids, right? And they can't count to 20, so they just keep going, right? So it's not uncommon for me to spend my day uh, hearing things like, well, why do we do it this way? Or, or what is that over there? Or what happens if you do this? Or what happens if I do that? Or what happens if I say this? Or, or what happens if you turn over there? Or maybe we should do it like this? Or can we do it like this? But the one that frustrates me the most is just the one word, why, right? Yeah, yeah, amen, right? I, I'm, I'm among friends here, right? Why? Why, Daddy? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And as I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about where we are going to spend our time together this morning, I was hit with this thought. Our God has never been curious. Our God has never wondered, well, what would happen in this situation or in that circumstance? So when we look at Psalm 139, We're reminded that God knows it all. He knows everything. He is omniscient. And in Psalm 139, we see this truth, that God doesn't just know facts. He knows you, right? God doesn't just know facts. He knows you. And so as we look here at Psalm 139, what we're going to see is we're going to see David unpack this truth. We're going to see him unpack this truth that the fact that God is omniscient, the fact that God is all-knowing, the fact that you cannot keep a secret from God, that that is not just a truth to be wowed by, but that is a truth to be comforted by. That is good news for us. So stand with me as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word here in Psalm 139. We're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to go to verse 6. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This is God's word. You can be seated. 
Would you pray with me as we continue? God, we are grateful that your word is true. Lord, we're grateful that your word is clear. And Father, I pray that this morning that you would speak to us clearly. You would speak to us mightily, God, that we would see that your omniscience is good news for us today. And so, Father, we pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look here at Psalm 139 and we think about this idea, this truth, that God doesn't just know facts, but he knows you, we're going to see three truths from this passage. The first one is this, is that God knows everything. God knows everything. Now, for some of us, this may be an obvious statement, right? A God who doesn't know everything cannot be God, right? A God who doesn't know everything is not God. But this isn't something that we should just move past too quickly, right? This isn't something that we should just jump over or skip past. No, this is good news for us. The fact that God doesn't just know things about us or things about the world, but that he knows us. God's knowledge of everything is what, what theologians call his omniscience. We might think of it like this, that God is limitless in his knowledge, one theologian, a guy named Michael Horton, he says it this way. He says, it is impossible for God not to know everything comprehensively. It is impossible for God to not know everything comprehensively. Now in this Psalm, God's omniscience is a place for David and what he's inviting us to do as well. It's a place for us to find comfort. Look at verse one. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. This verse is really the theme of the entire psalm. The Lord has searched and he has known David. That, that word searched, it, it carries with it this idea of diligent study. So all of who we are, all of who David is, all of who I am, all of who you are, is known by God. It's seen by God. We, we see that word known there. We see that word or a word similar to it used six times in six verses here in Psalm 139. Now, David lays out God's knowledge of his people in two ways. First, in verses two and three, we see that God knows our daily movements. Look at verse two. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. God knows when we sit. He, he knows when we rise. He knows our thoughts. He searches our path. He sees us as we lie down. This means that nothing that we do, nothing that you do surprises God. Nothing catches God off guard. I heard one pastor say it this way, that the Trinity doesn't drive an ambulance, right? There's nothing that God is surprised by. There's nothing that he didn't see coming because he's really, at the end of the day, in control of it all. Amen. And now several, several years ago, I noticed something interesting about my cell phone. Every time I would get in my truck or in my wife's van to leave, my phone would pop up and it would say like five minutes to work, eight minutes to work, nine minutes to work. And it would say traffic light. See, what was happening is my, my iPhone was learning my driving behaviors. Over time, it learned my habits, which when you stop and think about it, is terrifying, right? <laughs> like, like I don't need Google anticipating where I'm going. 
It had learned what I was doing. But here's the thing, God isn't like my iPhone. God doesn't learn your habits and then he just comes to know you so well that he can finish your sentences or something like that. No, God knows what you were gonna do before you knew what you were gonna do. God knew what you were gonna say before you knew what you were gonna say. God knows you completely, right? He knows you better than you know yourself. We hear that phrase, I, I, I know that or I know this like the back of my hand. Well, if I'm honest with you, I don't know the back of my hand very well, right? I haven't spent a lot of time studying it. God knows you better than you know the back of your hand, right? God knows you better than you know yourself. Husbands, God knows you better than your wife tells you she knows you, right? God knows you in ways that you cannot fathom. He knows every decision that you and I will ever make. And here's the thing, right? He knows all of that and he still loves us. He knows every decision that you will make. He knows every sin that you will commit. And yet he still loves you. So we see that God knows our daily movements. In verse four, we see that God knows our daily thoughts. Look at verse four. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Right? It's one thing for God to know what we are going to do, but it's kind of an exclamation point on his omniscience. It's an exclamation point on his knowledge of us that he doesn't just know what we're going to do. He knows what we're going to say. And what's amazing about this for me is like, I don't even always know what I'm going to say, right? There are times where I say things and I'm surprised that that came out, right? But, but God knows, right? In James chapter three, verse eight, James tells us that the tongue is uncontrollable, right? That, that no man has, has tamed the tongue. And what David says here is that no man has tamed the tongue, but God knows it, Right? God knows exactly what you will say before you say it because he knows everything. See, for David and for us, this truth of God's omniscience, it should be personal, right? It should be comforting. Look at verse five. We see how David finds comfort in this. He says, you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. For David, God's omniscience it is not like big brother that is constantly watching, but it's a good father who is constantly near, Amen. right? It's a good father who constantly is knowing and seeing and watching. Amen. One commentator put it like this, that God is a wall of security around the believer because nothing surprises him. David says that you lay your hand upon me. This, is, this was common practice in the ancient world, that lay your hand upon me. What David is saying is that you hem me in, you're that, that wall of protection around me, and when you lay your hand on me, you bless me, you comfort me, you encourage me. I told you I've got some kids. I have four kids from seven to seven months. And so there are a lot of questions in my house right now. Uh, but with our baby, with Olivia, one of the things that I love to watch happen is we will be driving and she will be crying for whatever reason. And my wife will be in the, in the passenger seat next to me. And my wife will turn around and she will lay her hand on Olivia's face and the crying stops. 
See, that's a picture of the comfort that David has experienced because of God's omniscience. Right? That, that's a picture of the comfort. Olivia stops crying because she knows that mommy is there. Right? She knows that, that whatever is going on, whatever she is feeling, whatever she's experiencing, mommy is there. And God's omniscience reminds us that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're walking through, God knows. Right? God sees that there's nothing that you are experiencing in your life right now that God is not aware of. There's nothing in your life, there's nothing happening that God did not know it was going to happen and that he wasn't already prepared for because he knows everything. Right? God is always prepared for whatever happens in your life, not because uh, he is just re really good at anticipating, right? No, because he already knew God's not a weatherman. He's the one who controls the weather, right? He, he's the one who controls all of it. And so in these verses, we see that God doesn't just know facts about your life. He doesn't just know facts about what hap what's happening in this world. No, he knows you. He knows me personally, intimately, clearly. So we see that God knows everything and next, in verse 6, we see that we know nothing, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord is what some of you are saying, right? Uh, or I've been saying this about you for years is what, what others are saying. Right? We know nothing. Look at verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Have you ever been around a really smart person? You begin to feel less and less smart as your time in the room with them goes on. And so by the time it's your turn to talk or speak, you're not even sure how to spell your name, right? Like you've experienced that before. Uh, when I was in seminary, the, the seminary I went to, the, uh, the president of the seminary, well known as a smart, smart man. And there were times where I would be around Dr. Moeller and I would think, I think my name's Ethan, but I'm not sure, right? I, I, I can't really remember. I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on. That's where we find David here in verse six. He thinks about how vast and how limitless God's knowledge is, and he just gives up, right? He says, it's too wonderful. It is high. I cannot attain it. He realizes that God knows everything, and he knows everything about David. And so in verse six, this is David's response. We've got three statements here from David, three phrases, and they basically sum up like this, that compared to God, we don't know anything. Compared to God, we know nothing. In other words, we don't know as much as we think we do, and God knows far more than we thought he did. We don't know as much as we think we do, and God knows far more than what we thought he did. So David's first response to God's knowledge is, God's knowledge is too wonderful, right? It's out of reach. It's untouchable. It's beyond David's ability to comprehend. Next, David says it is high. It's, it's over his head. He can't grasp it. He can't lay a hold of it. He says, I, I cannot attain it. God's knowledge, it, it can't be measured against our knowledge. There's no comparison to it, right? This isn't like if God is a dictionary, uh, then we are a book, right? No, it, it doesn't work like that. Our knowledge is nothing when compared to God's knowledge. 52 years ago, some of you heard Neil Armstrong say, 
right? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Apollo 11 was the ship, the ship that took Armstrong and crew to the moon. Uh, Apollo 11 had 32,768 bits of RAM or memory. The newest cell phones that are out today have somewhere between four and six gigs of memory. This means that the cell phone in many of our pockets is 1,048,576 times more memory than the Apollo computer. New cell phones today have 100,000 times the processing power of the computer that put man on the moon 50 years ago. And if you're like me, when you hear that, you think, but my truck still gets 17 miles to the gallon, right? And we put a man on the moon 50 years ago and I still get terrible gas mileage. But whenever you stop and you think about that, right, a million times more memory than the Apollo space shuttle. The Apollo space shuttle, right, Apollo 11, that doesn't compare to my cell phone in any way. 100,000 times the processing power, right? You can't even compare that, right? This isn't apples and oranges. This is like apples and squash, right? These are completely different things. And yet that's just a small picture of how our knowledge doesn't even compare with God's. See, God's knowledge is not thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of times greater than our knowledge. God's knowledge is infinitely greater than our knowledge because our God is an infinite God, right? He's a limitless God. We saw that several weeks ago, which means that his holiness knows no end, his righteousness knows no end, his love knows no end, his goodness knows no end, and his knowledge knows no end. Now, this has several implications for us today. First, it means that you and I can trust God. God knows what he's doing. See, he knows what we do not know. He sees what we do not see. So there's never a time, there's never a moment where you have to sit back and wonder, God, can I really trust you in this moment? Are you sure that you really know what you're doing? We can take it to the bank that God knows what he's doing. Right? We can take it to the bank that, that God is always trustworthy. God always understands. He always knows. He always sees. So we can trust God. Next, we can be sure that God has not forgotten you. Right? God doesn't forget you. He's never too busy for you. He's never got too much going on. He never needs just a minute before he understands what you're going through because God is omniscient, he forgets nothing. Because God knows everything, he knows you, he sees you, and so he never forgets you, right? Sometimes as Christians, maybe we're tempted to feel like Eeyore when we come to the Father in prayer and say something like, thanks for noticing me, right? Maybe you've been around those Eeyore kinds of people, right? Oh, thanks for, thanks for seeing me. God always sees. He always knows. He, he's never forgotten you. He, he's never been unfaithful to you. See, God's record of faithfulness to you is much, much better than your record of faithfulness to him. Because God sees you 
He hasn't forgotten you, and he knows exactly what you need. So we can trust God. We can trust that God hasn't forgotten us. And then the third implication for us is that God invites you. He invites me. He invites us to know him. This is what's so amazing, right? Is that we don't just serve a God who knows us, but we have a God who invites us to know him. Right? You think about that, the, the, the creator of the universe, the high king of heaven. He, he has spoken in his word. And he hasn't just said, here's what you can know about me, or here's how you can know me, right? He's made a way for us to have a relationship with him. Right? He, he's made a way for us to be welcomed by him, for us to be called sons and daughters of God, for us to be called a friend of God. That is good news, right? That, that is good news for us. He invites us to fill our hearts and our minds with knowledge of who he is and what he is like and what he has done in Jesus Christ to save us, to reconcile us, to restore a right relationship with him. And so we see here in Psalm 139 that God doesn't just know facts about you or just know facts about the world. No, he knows you. He knows everything. We know nothing. And the last truth that we see here in Psalm 139 is this, is that God changes everything. God changes everything. Look down in verses 23 and 24 of Psalm 139. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, David shows us something important about God's omniscience. When we understand that God knows everything, when we understand that God knows everything about you, he knows everything about me, then we understand that God and God alone is who can change me. God and God alone is who can change everything. He doesn't just know facts. He knows you. He knows me, which means he knows exactly how to change us. See, Psalm 139 ends with an invitation. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. He invites the Lord. David invites the Lord to search him and to know him and then ultimately to lead him to life. Because he knew that this is exactly what every believer needs. Every believer needs the sweet conviction of God that conforms us into the perfect image of Jesus. Amen. See, conviction is not something we should dread. Conviction over sin is something we should invite. Amen. Because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, right? And so the Lord brings us sweet conviction and conviction from the Lord is not you messed up, do better, right? Conviction from the Lord is what shows us our sin and then takes us to Jesus. See, the one who says you messed up, do better, that's Satan. That's the accuser, right? Because Satan's only tactic, right, is he, he's a liar. But the way Satan typically lies is he tells half the truth. Right? He says, you sinned. How could God ever love you? And the truth is, is that you have sinned, but God can love you, not because you try harder. He can love you because Jesus obeyed and died in your place so that you could be forgiven. Right? That's good news for us. Right? 
That's good news for us. And so we should invite the conviction of the Lord that the Spirit brings to our hearts because with conviction comes the gospel. Right? With conviction comes grace. With conviction is the reminder that I have fallen short, but I have an advocate who is standing before the Father, interceding for me even now. Amen. Right? That's good news for us. See, David invites the Lord to see him and to know him, and he does it with confidence. Right? He says, Search me, God, know my heart. Now that's terrifying, right? Know my heart. That means that David is inviting the Lord to see and to know, which he already does, right? To see and to know what David didn't just do yesterday, but also what he thought about. Not just what he said yesterday, but also what he wished he would have said, but he didn't because he knows that that's not what good little Christians say, right? David invites the Lord to see and to know him, and he does it with confidence, and so where does this confidence come from? Well, David knows that God is omniscient. There's nothing about David that is going to surprise God. See, understand this, that God knows you and me completely, and yet he still loves us perfectly. He knows you and I completely, and yet he still loves us perfectly. Now, if you were to drive to my house, uh, you would see my house and then you would see my front yard and my front yard is divided from my backyard by a tall white privacy fence. And uh, because we live in Florida, right, we've got to mow our lawns like every other day right now, right? Uh, and my wife grew up in a house where the lawn was mowed like every day. And so Anna don't play, right? Uh, the, 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 the yard is going to be mowed. And so uh, I, I, I get out there and I mow. And what happens though is maybe, maybe you can identify with this, right? Maybe sometimes you're running low on time, right? Maybe sometimes you're running short on time. And so you mow the front yard and you think, I'll come back to the backyard, right? Or I'm going to get the front yard done and I'll let the backyard go until next week or next time or whatever it may be. And the reason you know the front yard but not the backyard is because people see the front yard, they don't see the backyard, right? The only way for you to see my backyard is for me to invite you inside. The only way for you to see what's going on in my backyard is for me to bring you in and to walk you out back, See, I think too often times our lives as believers is like our yards, right? That we keep the front yard where everyone sees clean and manicured, right? We mow that bad boy, we edge it, we weed it, we pull the weeds, we blow the clippings off, right? We keep the front yards of our life really, really good. And then we take everything we don't want people to see and we put it in the backyard, Right, And so we take the way that we talk to our spouse and we put it in the backyard where no one can see. We take the way that we talk to our kids and we put it in the backyard, right? We take that addiction that we hope no one finds out about and we put it in the backyard. We take that stuff that we look at on the computer or on our phones and we put it in the backyard where no one can see, right? We take whatever it is and we put it in the backyard. And here's the thing, we all have stuff in the backyard, right? Every one of us, I've got stuff in my backyard. You have stuff in your backyard. And here's the bad news. God sees the backyard, right? God knows what is in your backyard. There's no hiding the way that you talk to your family at home. 
There's no hiding the things that you say when you're at work and you think it'll never get back to here. There's no hiding that relationship that you shouldn't be in, right? God knows it all. He sees it all. And here's the good news. Jesus died for the junk in the backyard, right? Jesus died so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have freedom, right? Jesus died not so that we could mow our backyard. Jesus died so that he could mow the backyard, right? Jesus takes care of the junk back there. So when we read here in verse 24, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus is the way that we are led in the way everlasting. See, God has searched you. He's tried you. He has found grievous ways in you and in me. He has found sinful things in us, but in Jesus, he leads us to life everlasting. Because here's the thing, Jesus didn't have any junk in the backyard, right? Jesus was perfectly perfect. Jesus was obedient. What the Bible says is he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And what we're seeing there is that Jesus dies in our place, taking the wrath of God meant for you and for me so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have a relationship with him, and so that when Satan starts to, to say, well, what about the stuff in the backyard? We can say, yeah, there's stuff in the backyard, but Jesus took care of it, Amen. right? There's stuff in the backyard, but it was crucified with Christ. See, God knows you. He's just no facts. He knows you. He knows everything, which means we don't know anything. But the good news is, is that God can change anyone, Right? And so maybe you have those things in your life that you feel like you need to hide or you need to keep secret. Maybe there's those things in your life that you're embarrassed by. Here's what you need to know. God already knows those things and he's offering you forgiveness today. And so maybe even now you're thinking, even you don't know about the junk that's in my backyard. You don't know about the junk that I am hiding. You don't know about the stuff that I'm dealing with. You don't know about the stuff that I'm hanging on to. Here's the thing. You're right. I don't, but God does. And it doesn't surprise him. Maybe you say, Ethan, but I've done some pretty, uh, some pretty messed up things, some pretty sinful things. Because I don't know what that is, but God does, Right? And here's the truth is that your sin is not too great for God's grace. See, he is searching us and knowing us whether we are inviting him to or not. See, here in verse 23 and 24, when David says, search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. It's not like David is opening the cabinet and saying, God, look what's in here. God already saw it. He already knew about it. And so maybe this morning you've got junk maybe you're ashamed of. Maybe you've got that sin that you need to deal with. Maybe you've got that issue that you need to bring and lay before the Father. Here's the good news for you today. Here's the good news for me today. Here's the good news for all of us today. God isn't surprised by our sin and he sent Jesus to die for it, right? 
And so whatever that sin is that is clinging so closely, the way the author of Hebrews puts it, whatever that sin is that you are ashamed of, that you're embarrassed by, that you think nobody knows, know this, God already knows, God already sees, and he has already provided a solution for it. So here in just a minute, we, I'm gonna pray and we are going to sing. And maybe in that time, maybe you just need to stop and you need to pray. You need to humble yourself before the Lord and you need to say, Lord, I want to follow you, but I have this sin that is clinging so closely, right? God, I'm turning my life to you, but I've got this, this junk in my backyard that, that I just need to deal with. Oh, I wanna invite you to, to give it to the Lord because he already knows about it, right? Maybe this morning you need to trust Jesus for the first time. Maybe this morning we've been talking about God's grace, hearing about God's grace, and you're thinking, I want some of that, right? How do I get in on that? The good news is that it's for anyone, right? Anyone can get in on this. And so, so maybe, maybe you need to do that. I want to invite you to pray and to respond to God's word as he leads you. Would you pray with me? Father, you are good and you are holy and you are righteous. And Father, I'm grateful that you know all things, you see all things, you are aware of all things, that nothing catches you off guard. Which means, God, that, that there's nothing in our lives that surprises you. There, there's nothing in our lives that, that, that is too hidden for you. And so, Father, I pray that for those of us in this room, those watching online, God, I pray that we would know your grace this morning. God, that we would see our sin, we would feel the weight of our sin, and we would know that you already see it and you have provided a substitute for us. You've provided a way for us to be forgiven. So God, I pray that we would know your grace and your mercy this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to The Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.